0: Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International.
1: Thanks for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry of Journey Church International. My name is Brandon, and today I will be having a conversation with Pastor Christian from his recent message, What's in it for me? It's the last message in our series, Finding Your Way Back to God. Uh, Pastor Christian, this has been a strong series. We've had memorable illustrations. Uh, I'm sure people will not
0: forget about Flat Jesus and the Jesus jacket. Um, but what kind of feedback are you hearing? Well, here's the really cool thing. So when when we first started looking at this series, right, so we, we kind of started putting this series together about nine months ago. It, you know, we knew we were going to be talking about Colossians chapter three, and we didn't know. You know whether finding your way back to God. I mean, even internally in our staff, we announced that on Easter Sunday, and our staff said, "You know, we you know we don't know that that's a great title. I don't know that that's what our people want to hear." So we came into this series hoping, man, our, our, we hope our people enjoy it. But really, the the truth of the series is that it's learning how to walk with God. It's learning how to walk towards God, mm-hmm. so that you don't want to walk, so that you don't walk away from God. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, "Blessed are those who hunger." and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled filled what we've been hearing from our people is this unbelievable expectation mm-hmm. um, and excitement of learning how to walk with Jesus we have people who've been in church all of their lives you know who who've been given the basic message of Christianity that the people of Colossae struggled with church is sunday come on sunday and everything right. will be good Christianity is is someday. It's all about going to heaven when you die. And, and they accomplished those things. I mean, they secured their eternity by trusting Jesus. They showed up for church on Sunday. But I think even with most people, there's a dissatisfaction with that being all there is to Christianity. So as we started talking to people about making Christianity a person and the flat Jesus illustration, explaining that the kingdom of God is among us. It's not where we go when we die. It's what we live in as Christians. Uh, it it got people excited to think. I knew I knew there was something more. Mm-hmm. And then last week, as we began to talk about taking off the earthly nature and putting on the new nature, putting on Jesus, uh, I, I've been I've been really grateful for the excitement of our people and the hunger of our people. Uh, you know, I've I've just heard so much of kind of I I knew there was more to Christianity. Mm-hmm. I knew there was more, and and I'm so glad to be. Hearing this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for more, for they will be filled. I feel like that's happening through this series at our church. And frankly, I wish this series was a few more weeks rather than just three weeks in Colossians 3, because I love what people are learning and how they're leaning into Jesus.
1: Well, that's a good transition to our next question. This is a study of the book of Colossians, more specifically Colossians chapter 3, which happened to be a letter to the church at Colossae from the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and and the the individual who launched that church was a man by the name of Epaphras. And uh, speaking of launching a church, we've just recently launched our second campus, and you had the opportunity this past week to speak in both campuses on the same day. And you stated in your message, our real passion is to build Christians, not just campuses. Can, can you explain our vision to build Christians as well as launching new campuses?
0: Yeah, so my excitement for our new campus— is exact opposite is the exact opposite of what I did um, on Sunday. I think my biggest excitement for our new campus, as I've watched it get up off the ground, is watching people leaning into gifts that they could not exercise at our campus. Watching you get to lead and preach every week, which you know I stole that opportunity from you this That's week, right. so that I could go be with uh, some of our people who helped us launch our church six and a half years ago. Uh, watching our kids, people, watching our greeters, people, watching people who were very willing volunteers at our church and who were awesome Mm. step into leadership and and to be able to see, whoa, there's way more gifting in them than they even knew. And as God has stretched their leadership, he has blessed their gifting. And to be able to watch people grow in their gifts, uh, it shows me why we want to keep planting more campuses, because there are some Christians at our church, at our campus in Lee Summit, Mm -hmm. who will never fully bloom into the Christian that they're going to be at our campus because someone here is already in that role. But when they get a chance to go to one of our surrounding communities and go from being a small group leader in kids' ministry to the kids' ministry leader there, when they go from watching some infants and preschoolers at our church to running the whole nursery there, when they go from singing once a month in our worship team to leading the entire worship band, when they go from doing the greeting and the welcome to preaching. Every week to be able to watch people grow in their Christianity, it just allows more of the kingdom of God to exist in their heart and life like they are more on earth like they'll be in heaven because they're expressing their gifts, which is really, really exciting. And when we looked at what happened in Ephesus, right, the Apostle Paul, I mean, the Billy Graham of his day, you could call Billy Graham the Apostle Paul of our day, right. uh, was holding a revival in Ephesus. It seems like they had church almost every day for three years, and that could have been their strategy. Sit bring everyone to us. You know, they were mm-hmm. less than a hundred miles from eight different municipalities that could have it would have been a long trip, you know, but at least once a month, if not every other weekend, traveled to hear Paul at the big stadium he was preaching at in Ephesus. It's that twenty five thousand people. There there was the ability to hold that crowd in Ephesus. But instead that wasn't the strategy of the early church. The strategy of the early church was a church in every town. A church in every town that could minister to the daily needs of people. And often these churches met in the community centers that were already set up. So we said, man, let's let's try in our in our in our city to have a church in every town where we have a group of people like Epaphras that are willing to open their home, that are willing to lean into their gifting, that are willing to work with, you know, a central campus. Not that we're the Apostle Paul, but a person they could ask questions of, right. how do we do this? How do we do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, a person who can resource their ministry until it gets off the ground. We just believe we look a whole lot like Asia Minor when we plant multiple campuses all over our city. Instead of just bringing everyone to one and building it, building it as big as we can, we, we like to have a lot of little campuses so that there's a church in every community 10 minutes from people's home. Uh, maybe in the public building that they're already at a couple times
1: during the week. So Pastor Christian, through this series we've been trying to help people walk towards God and with God as you just stated. Um and you mentioned in your message that we need to move from anxiety to peace. If we're going to walk towards God and with God, we need to move from anxiety to peace. Can you discuss a time when you personally experienced an attitude change that shifted from anxiety to peace and how you accomplished that?
0: Yeah, so this happened just recently in in my life specifically really in ministry uh, when we moved into our building in the fall of 2016 uh, i just i kind of uh, i i worked with way too little margin mm. i had way too much stress way too much anxiety i tried to control way more things than i actually had control of and i just i wore emotionally the building project in a really heavy manner And I knew it was getting heavy, but I kept thinking. I mean, for a a year and a half, I did this building project, lived in it every moment of every day. When we open the building, it'll get better. When we open the building, it'll get better. When we open the building, it'll get better. We opened the building. We went from two services to three services, and soon we were at four services. Our church doubled overnight, and it didn't get easier. It got worse. And I found myself just mentally almost not able to really process Uh, My job, my life, my leadership, everything that was going on. It's interesting because Proverbs 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And I, I said in our message, really switching from anxiety to peace is as simple as letting go and letting God. And I had a time where literally my counselor said, listen, you can pastor this church for about six more months, hanging on as tight as you can, or you can let go. You can learn to trust God. You can learn to trust the people that you work with, uh, and maybe maybe you can make it another generation. But your choices are: keep hanging on and fail, burn out very very soon, or let go, trust God, and just see what happens. And I took a ninety day period to, you know, you were here to meet with you and um, Jamie, who's here recording our podcast today, and Ryan and Danielle and Scott, our leadership team, and basically say, I'm, I'm handing the church to you guys. I trust God. I trust you. Uh, I am not able to keep up with the emotional intensity of where our church is right now. So I'm going to go rest and get healthy and kind of reset my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reset how I do leadership, uh, and I'm just going to trust God. And I came back at the end of that 90 days. Our church was better. Our church was bigger. What I learned is that a whole lot of people leading are better than one person leading. And I realized I didn't have to worry about all the things because our team was really gifted. They were really good, and our God was really generous and he was really good not that i don't carry any more emotional anxiety uh, over leading a church even paul said he you know he struggled with the anxieties of leading a church but my attitude has shifted way more towards one of peace because i know i can trust god and i know i can trust the people that god put around me so that's just one instance in the last 18 months and i could give two or two or three more if our podcast sure. went on forever sure well again we
1: always appreciate your transparency in this podcast, so the first attitude change was we need to move from anxiety to peace. The second attitude change that you discussed in uh, this message that will help us walk towards God and with God is moving from entitlement to gratitude. You made the statement the proper way to approach God is with gratitude. What are what are some common ways that we approach God that don't express a heart of gratitude? And and Pastor Christian, what are some practical ways we can become more grateful in our approach to God?
0: Well probably the most common way I see God approached in life and that I approached God for the first probably thirty years of my Christianity was like a genie in a bottle. Mm. I knew where he was, I knew where to find him, I knew he was really powerful, I knew he loved me, I'd memorized all the good verses about prayer that if I asked, he would help me without memorizing any of the verses you know about righteousness and surrender and the you know those conditions of the heart that God wants to bless. So I think a lot of people view view God as um or they approach God maybe as a genie in a bottle. They approach God when they need him. They might approach God um when they feel really really blessed, but there's not this everyday kind of thought of having gratitude and realizing that you know we enter the courts, we we approach God with gratitude and thanksgiving first. What are what are some practical ways that we can become more grateful in our approach to God. I think one great way is journaling, uh, just you know, beginning to make a Thanksgiving journal of things during the day that I'm thankful for, of uh, things during the month or the week that I'm thankful for, uh, and just remembering to have more gratitude on a daily basis for the little thing. You know, almost every day in my prayer time, I thank God for another day of life. Like there's nothing, when I fall asleep at night, there's nothing but the grace of God that allows me to wake up the next morning. Mm. So almost every day that I pray, I'm, I'm th- you know I thank God for as I as I did today. God, thank you for another Tuesday. Thank you for another Tuesday with my entire family alive and healthy. God, thank you for another Tuesday with a church that is healthy. I realize next Tuesday may not be like this Tuesday, so I want to be grateful for just the really little everyday moments in my life. Um, and it And it is learning how to shift away from entitlement mm. because you 'll never be grateful for the thing that you 're entitled to because you know you think you deserve it right uh, and moving moving from a from an attitude of entitlement, I deserve it to an attitude of gratitude, which is wow, look how good God is! I deserve nothing, but boy he 's given me maybe not everything but a whole lot closer to everything than nothing
1: so let 's stay on this subject for just a moment. Um, you made a strong statement in your message that is so true. Satan's response to gratitude is entitlement, and he whispers, God's not fair. God's not fair. A- as a pastor with nearly 20 years of experience, what examples have you seen where entitlement caused people to, to move away from God or to think that he's really not a fair God?
0: Yeah, so the two places, I mean, just off the top of my head where I see it the most are in finances and marriage. I mean, almost every couple that I meet with who's going through marriage difficulty or who eventually heads for a divorce gets to a point where they just believe their happiness is more important than their commitment mm-hmm. to God. And it's not fair of God to expect them to stay married to someone that they don't enjoy as much, or or that it's not fair to stay married to someone who they had a fight with, or it's not fair to stay married to someone that they've had to forgive. So one of the main—I mean— this is the first time I've seen this question. Yes. Just off the top of my head, I hear people more and more say, I want to be happy, not committed. It's not fair that God would ask me to do this. That's the first area. The second one would be finances. Mm-hmm. You know, we we live in a world that is so blessed financially. I mean, in the United States of America, if you don't believe that, you gotta go on a missions trip to understand how truly blessed we are here. But the culture we live in makes it hard, regardless of how much you have makes it hard for it to feel like enough makes it hard for it to feel like more than enough makes it hard for it to be generous or to be faithful in giving or in tithing and I've seen people who are willing to test God and they give for a little bit, and then things go wrong and immediately they're thought that that's not fair, and they just shut down altogether and they just they they don't give any more. Uh, or they, or they say, when God has given me as much as I see everyone else has, then maybe I'll be faithful in giving. So I, I, you know, you hate to say entitlement because because that that word sounds so judgmental. Sure, but this thought that I'm entitled to happiness more than commitment, hmm. I find in marriage a lot. It's not, you know, it's not fair. It's hard now. It's not fair that I should have to stay married, and financially, I I see it a lot. Uh, I'm entitled to what God has given me, plus more, and when he gives me a little more, maybe I'll start giving back to him. Uh, Probably there's a lot of underlying emotions in that too, but if you're asking me where Satan's whispering in the ears of people in our church, it's into their marriages and probably into their finances.
1: Pastor Christian, you wrapped up this last week with a seven-day Worship Challenge. And you said that one of the best ways to express our gratitude is in the area of worship. Would you take a moment and, and remind our podcast listeners, even encourage our podcast listeners, to change their attitude through a seven day worship challenge?
0: Yeah, I don't know that it's possible to change your attitude just in one week by trying to practice uh, an element of worship. But what we challenge people to do is we say, listen, take seven days this week, uh, and we just want you to either plug in through our journey app. Um, to plug in through our Spotify account. And we want you to really spend some intentional time this week, your car time, your quiet time, the moments around your house where there may be noise. And we want you to fill those with worship instead. And we want you to try to really focus on some of those words, focus on some of those moments, grab some of those things that are not just true in the song, but true of your life, uh, and just try to express those. So, you know, when when King Saul was struggling you know, with difficult spirits. He brought in King David. It's one of the first times we hear David mention in Scripture to just play worship music for him so that he could begin to relax a little bit. And I be- I believe when we begin to focus on worship, focus on God, we focus less on other things, that it just allows the, the spirit, probably our spirit more than our attitude, to change and to shift a little bit. I saw the same thing with the prophet Elisha when he was asked to give a prophecy. ask asked somebody to come and play some worship music. And once he had settled into a spirit of worship, I felt like he could really connect with God and hear the next steps that he was supposed to take. So really, that's all that worship challenge was, was to just, hey, this week for seven days, do this. See how it impacts your soul. See how it impacts your spirit. And remember, if it impacts it in a positive way, remember to maybe plug into that spirit of worship music specifically when maybe you're feeling anxious when maybe you, you don't feel at peace, when maybe you're worried about something, maybe you can get away from worry by settling into a spirit of worship uh, for a few minutes, for 30 minutes, for an hour one day. Well, Pastor Christian, it's
1: been another great series this year in our year of refreshment, times of refreshment. So thank you for leading us, and we want to thank you for listening to the podcast today. We hope that our conversation has been valuable to you as you continue to pursue deeper relationship with Jesus. And if you ever have any questions, please do not hesitate to send us an email at activate at takethejourney.cc. We'll catch you next time on the Activate podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active.
0: Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, help us get the word out and show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. Please share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.